The following presentation is a Barrett Sports Media production. Recognizing the unsung heroes of sports media. I'm stuck in this pit, working for less than slave wages, working on my day off. This is the Producers Podcast with Brady Farkas. I'm the executive producer. Oh, you're the executive producer. And it starts now. What's up, everybody? Welcome into another edition of the Barrett Sports Media Producers Podcast. Today, we catch up with Maura Dooley of Seattle Sports 710. She's one of the producers of the Brock and Salk show. So we find out what it's like to work alongside another producer, what it's like to have a baseball team that's actually relevant into October when it never has been. And uh, we find out about her route to her spot at Brock and Salk. And how different is it producing the Brock and Salk show part three versus the Mike Salk show, which she was on before. So enjoy Maura Dooley of Seattle Sports 710. So, Maura, you were producing the Mike Salk show. Now, as of a couple of weeks ago, it's back to being the Brock and Salk show. So, obviously, some things are different, right? And there's a lot of moving parts now. Two people to produce for. Brock's not in the studio live with you guys. He's remote. So, kind of how has the role changed for you in the last month or so? It's not as different as you would think, I guess. When I when I first started working here at uh, Seattle Sports, one of my first things that I did was fill in on Brock and Salk show every now and then. So um, it kind of feels like old times. So as far as the chemistry between everyone, I feel like that wasn't an issue at all. And we also have Justin Barnes producing and uh, being an on-air contributor on our show. Um, So that all just like took off pretty naturally. But as you said, Brock is in Denver. So there's just uh, bringing in a remote host when we did have just a solo host in studio. There's some technical aspects to getting used to that. And just not having as much of that normal prep time with everyone before the show. But, you know, they, they work together for so long, Brock and Salk, that it's uh, they don't really need a lot of that. <laughs> Obviously, I think a lot of producers got used to this in COVID where a lot of hosts were home or were remote. So how much did that experience help your staff produce the show under these circumstances? I think a ton. Because, yeah, I worked on a previous morning show uh, with uh, Danny O'Neill and Paul Gallant, where Danny was doing it from New York. Um, And then, yeah, a ton like there was a huge stretch here where we producers were just in the building pretty much by themselves running shows with host remotes. So and I even worked on a show where like the hosts weren't so technologically savvy. So sometimes we were only communicating through email or text and um so yeah as now we have gotten to the point where we have everyone on teams we have video on ipad and you can see everyone and it's uh, i think we've kind of mastered that so it definitely is very helpful that we got used to that before this change happened producing a morning show talk to me about kind of your schedule and, and your guys prep your team's prep what time is everybody getting up what time is everybody getting in how late are people staying up to watch games take me through that dynamic as late as possible yeah. um, is when we get up but <laughs> um so because yeah the morning show used to be um seven to ten and they moved it to six to ten mm-hmm. uh with the change to the mike salk show originally so um yeah then we uh, it was already an early wake up call. Now I think we all get up probably around four, if not a little bit before that. Um, so we do a ton of our prep work at night. Um, I kind of call it like I have homework. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's like, I feel like if I make plans that night, I'm like, well, I got to go home and do my homework. But it's just so much easier to have that knocked out so that we can kind of sleep in a little later. I don't want to get up at 3.30 in the morning. <laughs> so. <laughs> 
Um, yeah, we just, we all, we have a running email where we all send ideas back and forth. I, um, I do, I cut a lot of sound. That's usually my contribution because I just think it generally Brock and Salk both have a lot of opinions already. I'm not, I don't feel like it's my job to kind of come up with the ideas as much as it is just to have things to back those up and things to bounce off of for them. So, um, I, my emails the night before tend to be a lot of sound for them to go through and decide what they want to use. You know, I've only ever worked in small and mid-level markets, so I've never been in a spot where there have been multiple producers on one show. And you mentioned working with Justin. How do you divvy up the responsibilities between between producers and both of you contribute in ways on air vocally? So kind of who's going to talk when and how often should we talk, et cetera? What's it like producing with another person? Yeah, I mean, it's new to me, too. It's the only show that we have that on right now. Um, but Justin comes with a ton of experience in radio, too, but kind of more on the um, on the FM, of like music and just uh, working with Jubal. Um, so so it we've just like uh, kind of taught each other things, I think. And uh, it, it flows really well. We I, so I'm on the board and running that. And so that I think that's another reason why I handle a lot of the sound and, mm. and I, I know a lot of the cuts that are in there already. And, um, and Justin does a lot of putting together. He's really good at putting together montages and uh, just like funny little bits that we can play throughout the day. We're, we're really lucky to have hosts that encourage us to chime in. Um, they always tell us, you know, like, don't, don't feel afraid. Don't ever feel like we're going to be like, why did you jump in there? Shut up. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so, so um, yeah, we, we never really talked about that. It's always just kind of flowed naturally. Um, you know, we can kind of, you can kind of see uh, from our vantage point when someone turns their mic on and try not to, we try not to step on each other, but um, yeah, it's, it's been a pretty natural chemistry as far as when we decide to speak up and, and add something to the show. You can kind of tell when the, the hosts are in like a deep debate or discussion that they don't really need us to chime in, but there are times where we can maybe pose a, a question to move the conversation along or just kind of lighten things up and make fun of them a little bit or have some fun. You know, I grew up in, in Washington. I'm a diehard Seattle fan. I'm hoping by the time this airs, the Mariners have advanced in the playoffs, but it's got to be an interesting dynamic for you as a producer, especially who's cutting a lot of sound sound in that, your job is probably a lot more busy than it's been the last few years. And that now you basically, you know, look, the Mariners have been irrelevant at this time of year for the last 20 years and the Kraken didn't exist. So here we are full football season, but also baseball that matters hockey that's about to start mattering. So I got to imagine there's a lot more to your job maybe than there might've been three years ago. Yeah. I mean, but it's, it's welcome, right? Cause yeah, of course. Usually, as a producer, you you hate that time period, especially in a in a city like you said where we didn't have hockey before and we don't have basketball. You dread those lulls where there's like not a lot going on. So it's kind of a a good problem to have that that now we're having to try to figure out. Well, we're we're not going to go wall to wall Seahawks here. We we need to talk about the Mariners or we might need to squeeze in the Kraken. Um, so it's it's nice to have all of that to get to and. Man, that yeah, this city is so excited about the Mariners right now, and it's such a role reversal because um, there's still excitement around the Seahawks, but you know it's not Geno Smith at quarterback just doesn't have the same ring to it, <laughs> and he's been doing really well. But but you know it, there, it, there's just a different level of interest in Geno Smith leading the team than there was when Russell Wilson was. Now there's a lot of interest in 
how things are going to go for Russell in Denver. We've been doing a lot of kind of checking in on your ex type segments <laughs> <laughs> because there's some people that seem to want to see him fail there. Plus, you know, you're going to get Denver's draft picks. So you kind mm-hmm. of don't want things to go well there. So yeah, there has, there's been plenty to get to a lot, a lot of, uh, a lot of options for us right now. What's your background? How'd you get into the business? How did you end up at uh, Seattle Sports 710? So my background, I I interned at a couple of radio stations. Well, a radio station and a, a new station um, on the sports side. In I, I lived in Colorado before I moved here. And I knew that I wanted to break into sports, but wasn't sure how I was going to do it. When I moved here, I kind of... Um, just wanted to change and I followed a, a boyfriend at the time <laughs> he was a chef and we here for that and so I kind of was like well I'm doing it backwards from what a lot of people do a lot of people start out in a smaller city and work their way up so how am I going to get my foot in the door and uh, I ended up taking a job doing overnights on our FM news talk station hmm. um, so working 10 p.m to 5 a.m and Oof. mostly just cutting sound for like a political talk show in the morning um that was rough. And then working at restaurants uh, during the day. So not a lot of sleep, <laughs> but I knew that I could probably get my foot in the door that way. So I just kept telling my boss, like, I, I really would love to get on the ESPN side at one point. I'd really love to get on that side. And, and it started slowly with just being able to do like 10 hours a week over there, filling in on the board and then filling and producing. And eventually, um, yeah, I got the offer to produce John Clayton's show, which was huge to me growing up watching him. And obviously, we miss him so much uh, yeah. here. He's a legend, but that was uh, that was just like a, a huge step in my career that uh, I was very excited about. To have that as your first full-time producing job <laughs> <laughs> was a big deal. And as you mentioned off-air when we were talking, I um, I saw you at the Super Bowl with him. Yeah. So getting the chance to go to a couple of Super Bowls, um, it was just uh, more than I could have ever dreamed of. My John Clayton story is that I have a University of Houston mini helmet that was meant for him that I now have. That's my John Clayton story. <laughs> so it was the uh, the Houston Super Bowl, Patriots and Falcons, the 28-3 game. And there was a rep from Shut Helmets walking around giving out mini helmets to every station. So John Clayton got a University of Houston one and left it on the table. And finally, it's like 7 o'clock Eastern on Friday of Super Bowl week. And I'm like, I don't think he's coming back for this. So I commandeered it. So I have the University of Houston John Clayton helmet. Nice. Yeah, I think I ended up with a lot of that stuff. He people gave him a ton of stuff, and he's like, hey, you want it? I don't, I don't need it. Uh, but he was great. We certainly do miss him. Um, you know, I, I hate that I have to ask this, but it's kind of the obligatory question. What is it like to be a woman in – sports media um you know i think it's becoming less and less of a a thing that stands out which is Mm -hmm. nice um but you know there are times where it's uh it feels a little bit lonely i can't lie there's times where maybe i go to like a seahawks practice or something and you're the happen to be the only woman there that day there's still not a lot of women covering the team and um just seems like there's maybe sometimes kind of like a a click of reporters or something that happened I mean it's not their fault that they're you are the only woman and they they have to be all male but sometimes you feel a little left out they're all chatting about what they see and everything and you're just kind of on the outside but I just think that like I said it's it naturally happens I'm not there all the time either and a lot of those reporters are there every day um so there's maybe little things like that but overall I really do feel um I 
feel like a lot of those stigmas are going away, that there's more and more women working in sports every day. We have uh, Stacey Ross at our station mm-hmm. is a, a full-time host here. She's excellent. Um, and we've had a lot of uh, women that I've worked with. We had, I think, like four or five women at this station at one point. Um, a lot of them have like moved on and are doing other big things. But um, I think that our company here, Bonneville, has been really supportive of women in sports and uh, yeah, I've, I've really had mostly positive experiences, and I, I really thought it was amazing that John Clayton, with all the, <laughs> all of the uh, just experience and accolades that he had, was totally on board with just uh, someone that it was their first producing job, producing him, and had no problem with me being a woman with not much of a resume. <laughs> what would be your advice to young or new producers? Just be willing to to. Uh, kind of do anything and everything you have to learn you can't just come in and expect to produce right away you have to learn how to do the board you have to learn how to cut sound you have to learn how to do kind of all the what some people might consider grunt work first and then you know just staying up on everything I um I'm constantly scouring the internet for stories we may have missed or you know unique sound I think when Richard Sherman first started doing his podcast um it hadn't really kind of made the rounds yet. I don't think a lot of people knew about it. And I, I found some good sound on there of him kind of like tearing into what Pete Carroll and the Seahawks were doing at the time and saying that they'd made some wrong moves. And, you know, that we, that did so well on our station. People still really care a lot about the like Legion of Boom era guys and what they have to say out here. Um, it, it, we turn that into stories on our website. So I think you just have to be, I mean, definitely, like I said, just make yourself invaluable make sure you can do a lot of different things but just also as a producer i think the main thing is making sure that you are bringing all of the latest news and information and sound and anything that your host can use to be the most relevant come up with the most interesting conversations and then just make it fun too you you gotta have you gotta let loose uh you know i think at one point we had a uh they on the show asked me if the Mariners won 10 games in a row, if I would sing, they were always trying to get me to sing for some reason. And I didn't want to. Um, and then I kind of forgot about it. And way later in the season, the Mariners went on a 10 game winning streak <laughs> and uh, they wanted me to sing, which I thought was really embarrassing. And I didn't really want to do it, but I ended up coming up with something fun where I, I played the DMX rough riders anthem instrumental. And I just did it very monotone. Like I was like, stop, drop, shut <laughs> and everyone loved it they thought it was they thought it was hilarious so you know just you could take something that maybe you find embarrassing or you don't really want to do but for the benefit of the show kind of you can humiliate yourself but find a fun way to do it or you know you can humiliate your host a little bit and find a fun way to do it <laughs> more i appreciate the time thanks so much thank you all right thanks to mora for joining us uh as a frequent listener of Brock and Salk, yeah, the whole trying to get Mora to sing storyline, I'm very familiar with that. She's right. Sometimes a producer can be best served finding a way to poke fun at themselves, but also poking fun at their hosts also. So interesting stuff there, including that Brock is not, not only not in studio, but not even in Seattle. He's actually out in Denver. And she's right. I think the COVID pandemic certainly got all producers um, able to adjust 
when their hosts are not actually in the building. So producing has uh, taken many forms in the last two years and uh, more one of many great producers in this business. So hope you enjoyed more Dooley, and uh, we'll see you in the next episode of the Barrett Sports Media Producers Podcast. You don't want to believe it, but maybe the show is over. Thank you for listening to the Producers Podcast. To enjoy past and future episodes, check out iTunes, Spotify, Amazon, the iHeart app, and BarrettSportsMedia.com.